Hey, what's going on, everybody? Like, thank you all for tuning in to the show. Got my crew with me, Darnell and Tyler. I'm Trey, and we're coming your way with the 55th edition of the Don't Kill the Messengers podcast. Before we get into NFL, to get our thoughts on the Super Bowl, we got a UFC 208 coming on this Saturday, February the 11th. Uh, just Darnell, uh, key, the main event of, of this fight is going to be Holly Holm versus Renemy. Uh, just what are your thoughts on this card? Uh, it's not worth pay-per-view dollars. <laughs> uh, sorry to say. Uh, some fights will be fun to watch. Uh, but I mean, the, the headliner, uh, in most people's eyes is kind of a fraudulent main event just because the top 145 girl was not fighting for the title and they just kind of threw this fight together to get a belt out there, it feels like. Yeah, you know, I feel the same way. We'll get more to uh, my girl Cyborg in a minute. But, yeah, you know, just uh, Holly Holm, uh, you know, she was the one that beat Ronda Rousey. But after uh, that went against Rousey, um, she's been looking kind of iffy in the ring. Um, she lost her last two fights, and uh, she's fighting randomly, um, a girl that a lot of people don't know about, um, have uh, not really seen in the ring yet, don't know about her, and yeah, that's the uh, main event for the pay-per-view, so it's kind of like, you know, yeah, like, you know, the how I don't know how they expect this one to bring in a lot of money, but, um, you know, I was kind of thinking this was should have been one on Fox or something, to say the least, but yeah, you know, pay-per-view, this was just like, wow, I don't know how many buys they're expecting out of this one, but I'm not predicting a high pay for this fight. Yeah, I mean, like, just looking at that one fight, <clears throat> I'm just wondering how much, like, really, how much did Dana try to put together a good fight here? Because we have Holly Holm, who, who is a name, but yeah. like you said, she's coming off of two straight losses. Uh, and then, uh, Duran, I mean, she's four and one in the UFC, uh, but she really hasn't fought the top of the, the 135 division. Yeah. Uh, her, her biggest fight was probably against Amanda Nunez, which she lost by KO in the first round. Yeah. Uh, so it's, you, you have, like I said, Holly Holm, who was 10 and 2, but her last two were her last two fights versus somebody who's overall 6 and 3 yeah. and a virtual kind of unknown to people is, I mean, I guess, I guess since they couldn't get Cyborg when he wanted, he just threw whatever he could together, like just threw spaghetti on the wall and the names that stuck. That's that's who got the fight. Yeah. Uh, now, just to, you know, just in case of the people, uh, you know, they're at B-dubs or something and they somehow catch this fight on. Uh, so like I said, I doubt they're going to actually pay to see this. Uh, just what are some other names on the uh, card that you think would be good for them to see? Because uh, we're about to get into Silva and Brunson in a minute. But just what are some other uh, fights you think would be good for them to just check out if they, by having a chance to catch it, um, at B-Dubs or something like that? Uh, well, Tim Bosch and uh, Ronaldo Jacare Souza will be a good fight. Uh, Tim Bosch is... You never know he, if he catches you, he can put you out. And Souza is 
just a very gifted all-around fighter. So that one will be an entertaining fight. And then on the lighter weight side, uh, at 155, we have Jim Miller and Dustin Poirier, uh, two well-rounded fighters, uh, that both have the ability to finish you in different ways. So, uh, if I had to pick two fights out of that, uh, besides the, Top two on the card. I think those will be my ones that I would circle to watch. All right. Uh, let's just get right into it, man. Uh, got, in my opinion, the greatest of all time versus uh, Anderson Silva versus Derek Brunson. Um, how do you see this fight going? <laughs> I guess it's, it's questionable to see. Um, Silva just hasn't had that uh, best slicks. Just out of nowhere, knockout like he used used to have. Yeah. Uh, once once the mystique was worn off of him uh, by taking those two losses to Chris Weidman, yeah. uh, and 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 coming back from the injury, uh, he just hasn't had any really impressive fights. He's yeah. he's had moments. Uh, there were some fun parts uh, in his fight against uh, Nick Diaz, and he he had that. One little flurry that got everybody excited uh, when he stepped in to fight Daniel Cormier. Yeah. Uh, but outside of that, he hasn't put together a fun whole fight. Yeah. Uh, like, and you know, when Anderson Silva is getting beat by, he, he is a champion. But uh, <laughs> when he he's losing uh, split decisions to just names that you don't think he would. <laughs> Uh, be able to fare well against, uh, such as our current middleweight champion, uh, while well, I'm blanking on his name. Uh, Bisping. Our, yeah, Michael Bisping. Yeah. Uh, just, I mean, I, I, I think, uh, we're, we're still, still seeing a good Anderson Silva who's still capable. Uh, but Brunson has, like, he has cannonballs for hands, so if he if he gets a good one in on Silva, it could be good night. And I know he's looking to get a name like that on his resume. Yeah, that'd be great for him to uh, add Anderson Silva to yeah to this list of accomplishments of people that he's beaten. So yeah, definitely hear you there. Um, now who do you got in this fight? I'm going with the young guy. I'm go with Brunson. Alright, man, you know, I can't pull against my dog, man, so I'm gonna go with Silver. I wanna see some old school Silver here, man. I wanna see a counter punch that leads, uh, to a KO, man. So I'm, I wanna see it. I haven't seen it in a minute, so. Yeah, I wanna I see mean, it. I, it's probably still in the repertoire, but just, like I said, <laughs> we, we, we haven't seen it. He, he hasn't been the same since he, he lost his title and, and got injured, but, you know. Plus, like I said, if you're 40, 41, so it's, yeah, he's up there, man, so his best days are behind him for sure, so. Yeah, and like I said, you, I know Bisping is on the, the uh, peak as far as having the title and everything, but, uh, that's, that's a fighter that back in his prime he wiped the floor with and he lost a unanimous decision to him, so. All yep. right, man. Yeah. Uh, all right. Let's get into this main event, man, that everybody wants to see. Uh, Holly Holm versus Randomly, man. Like, what do you, what do you think about this? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, 
So like I said, I mean, home will be game. Uh, we know her style. She likes to stay out of range and, uh, let, let her punch, punches and kicks. She, she, she's a volume fighter. She, I know everybody's gave her a bunch of credit for her knockout of Ronda Rousey, but that's not, that's not a commonplace deal for her. Yeah. Uh, she, she's not known for just cracking people like that and knocking them out. Uh, pretty much every other win she has in the UFC has been like decisions. Uh, oh, uh, I expect her just to try to stay in range, land punches and win rounds. And if, if the opportunity arises where she can land that perfect shot, she will. Yeah. Uh, like I said, I don't know much about Duranomy, but it looks like from her fights, they, they end in a hurry, whether it's her, her losing quick or her winning quick. Uh, so it seems like she may be an aggressor, but home seems to fight her against types with that. She, she's better, uh, counter punching. Yeah. So we'll see how that goes. Yeah. Uh, you know, like I said, yeah, I've seen Holly fight. Um, you know, I don't know that much about Randy me, but I was looking at an article. Uh, she said that she knocked out a guy that outweighed her by 40 pounds. So I don't know, you know, <laughs> I guess that just let people know that she, uh, you know, she has some hands, uh, with her, you know, which you can expect to finish in this fight. But, you know, yeah, I have not, uh, seen enough of this, uh, lady to, uh, know, you know, what exactly she can do in the ring. So it's going to just be interesting to watch, uh, to see those two go at it, man. You know, one, you know, I know the credentials of her, but the other, lady, you know, I don't know what she could bring to the table, so we'll just see, you know, uh, hopefully Dana, you know, a lot of people don't know who she is, but, you know, hopefully put together a good fight, uh, for the people to see that's gonna watch it, so. Yeah. Alright, now, let me just, uh, ask you this, man, you know, you know, I like my girl Cyborg, uh, do you think she got screwed over by not getting a shot at the 145? Yes and no. Uh, I guess it seemed like Dana was just on a time frame where the fight had to happen on this day. I don't know why, but yeah. this this was his thought process. And from what I hear, she hey, basically... Man, uh, uh, what's his name? Um, dude who fights... Cowboy, yeah, Cowboy Cerrone up in there real quick, man. Have him be a main event or something, dude. He's always willing uh-huh. to fight. <laughs> Well, he, he just, he just lost a fight where he got TKO. So he, he probably is on the sideline for a little bit. But, uh, but I guess he, he, I guess Dana was just in a hurry to get this 145 division started. Yeah. He did offer, he did offer Cyborg the fight, but she asked for it to be in March. And I guess that, that wasn't happening. So Dana just said, all right, well, I'm going to the next option and, that's Holly Holm and Durandamy. Yeah. And we get a fight that probably is not going to sell very well. Uh, I mean, if, if it does, it's probably going to be more on the, the shoulders of Anderson Silva versus a title fight. Yeah. Now, just what do you think about this just 145 division? Um, you know, I think, yeah, with Cyborg, with her coming to the UFC, I think that helped a lot. But do you really think a lot of people, uh, women want to fight in the 145 division and do you think it will last, uh, pretty long? I'm not sure. Uh, it kind of feels like it was just a division made since they, they, fi- they finally 
put uh, Cyborg on a UFC contract, and everybody just kind of came to that realization where she's not going to make 135, so it's either she fights a bunch of catchweight fights or you create a division for her, and he created a division for her. Uh, she's probably going to run roughshod through it until we can find some other girl that is willing to step in with her and can match her aggression and, and, and overall skill. Yeah. Which I'm, I'm not sure who that, who that girl is because she's just a monster. She, she probably, I mean, Cyborg's probably still cutting to get to 145. So. Yeah, exactly. She she's still gonna be big for that that division. It's just she can get to that weight without killing herself. Yep. Yeah, I can definitely agree with you there, man. You know, the cyborg uh, likes seeing her fight, man. But you know, she's a big girl, so just her uh, struggle for her to get to uh, one thirty five, and you know, still be a struggle for her to get down to uh, one forty five. So, you yeah, definitely hear what you're saying there, man. Um, before we get into uh, football or anything, uh, you got anything else to add for the UFC? Dana, get some better cars together, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> Just also, man, I'd like to give a shout-out to my man, Ty. Uh, he picked up on another fighter, uh, the Korean Zombie, last week, man. Uh, he was kind of texting us uh, about him, and I saw yeah, him. Yeah, I, I, I was all about it. <laughs> actually, actually, I don't know how much of... That fight night you guys saw for the fights, they were actually pretty good. Yeah, and, were, and that that's a good thing. If like if you know a card is only worthy for being on free TV, you usually do get some good fights out of these people because they're hungry and no more yeah, eyes on no. them. So yeah, and, and kind of going with that mentality, the idea that um, you know those fight night cards, a lot of those guys are still trying to make it. They're still trying to move up. Um, so the idea that they're actually fighting to get those big cards, uh, they they bring everything they got. So yeah, yeah I, I, I had a lot of fun watching that one. I, I told you guys I'll start watching it. Yeah, man. Stay so I, good. Yeah, I, I just got to stay true to my word for you guys. I'm <laughs> wrong with that, man. Pretty soon you'll be in on this round table picking picking winners with you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah uh, we'll see. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see. Yeah. All right, guys, let's get into the NFL. Uh, you know, get into my dog, Mike Vick first. Uh, he announced his retirement. Uh, this is there week. pun intended on that? <laughs> <laughs> oh Sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Good. That's a good one, man. But yeah, get into my man, Mike Vick. Uh, he announced his retirement. Um, just, uh, one of my favorite guys to watch of, uh, all time when it came to football, man. What that guy was able to do, especially, uh, you know, before the whole, uh, dogfighting incident and everything, uh, guy was just absolutely amazing with, uh, the abilities and talent. You know, I still think there was some stuff he could have definitely put together, uh, to help his team win, but he was entertaining, man. Just, uh, what do you guys think about Vic and his retirement? Yeah, this one, you no, know, it doesn't catch anybody by surprise. Uh, I'm kind of surprised he didn't retire sooner. Yeah. Um, he didn't. I don't believe he even made a roster this year, did he? Um, uh, no. Or if no, anything, no. it was. Or if anything, it was a one-game deal. But um, yeah, you know, very. In my opinion, he was he was way ahead of his time. The ability to have the running quarterback. Uh, I mean, if he played college football about four years ago, he would have been. 
he would have been right on time. Everything he's able to do on the field is what a lot of college teams have only been picking up on for the last 10 years. So, you know, he, he was ahead of his time. He was, you know, crazy exciting to watch. Uh, now granted, I, I probably caught the tail end of his prime. You and I, Trey, probably more mem- remember him on the, on the latter half more so than the front half. But, uh, you know, just, you see the tapes and you just see a guy who had some of the best vision out there, the best feet. I don't, I don't think that's really arguable uh, for a quarterback. He definitely had the best feet. Um, but, you know, just never really did a whole lot for, you know, team accolades. So, you know, he'll, he'll just be known as the guy that was fun to watch a highlight reel, but, you know, didn't win a Super Bowl. Uh, you know, just never really did much that makes you say, wow, this guy was great. Uh, which is a little unfortunate because of the skill set, but, um, yeah, just, I, I'm a little surprised he didn't retire a couple of years ago, to be quite honest. Oh, uh, yeah. I, th- I think he'll basically be remembered as one of the most exciting players to ever pick up a football. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he was, at his peak, he was seriously a, a game changer. Uh, I mean, he, he played on Falcons teams that weren't great teams, but his ability to just turn certain plays and do things with his feet and, and with his arms at times too, just because he, he had a cannon for an arm. He, he was just, mm-hmm. uh, he was so gifted, uh, with the mm-hmm. tools to play that position. Uh, like things I just remember about him is like how, how much he could do. Uh, in his early days at, in Atlanta and basically win games by playing school year football because later in his career, he said he basically didn't study a playbook. He just <laughs> give me the ball and I'll figure something out. And, <laughs> and he did that. And then of course, I mean, the most memorable play of his whole career is that, that run to seal the game against Minnesota in the playoffs. Yeah, and just defenders uh, clashed into each other. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, mm-hmm. I just think those are the type of things that you'll remember about him, at least on the field. You can't, you can't not also look at things that he did off the field, but, uh, for as bad as his trans- transgression was with the dog fighting ring, uh, he ended his career as basically like a model citizen in the NFL and a mentor for younger players. Uh, so, on that side, he, he, he was a good, like, turnaround story there for mm-hmm. kind of being a knucklehead, but, you know, growing up and using his tough experience to try to make life better for, uh, people that followed him. And, well, yeah, j- just real quick, Trey, you know, you know, when we talk about, like, what do we, what will we remember, uh, Mike Vick for the most? I mean, unfortunately, it'll probably be something, some of the things off the field, you know, you can talk about, you know, the, the dog fighting accident, but you know, I, I think more on a bright note, you know, how many people do you think meet Mike Vick and just tell him just how ridiculous he was mad? How many people do you think <laughs> talk to him about that? Like seriously, you could not stop him. He, he was basically Bo Jackson tech mobile yeah. for Madden. 
Oh yeah, I was. I, was, I would play games with friends where we were just like, nobody can use Atlanta. <laughs> not you cannot play with them. No, <laughs> ridiculous. Yeah, definitely, man. You know, just true game changer. Um, you guys kind of got into it uh, with the whole dog fighting um, issue. Uh, just to ask you guys, just what do you think? You know, just how much uh, with the whole dog fighting uh, incident that he had? How much do you think that uh, has tarnished his legacy? Because I was even just looking through the comments, uh, you know, about his retirement and everything. I see comments about people saying, oh, you know, I don't care about him retiring. You know, I'd rather hear about him getting mauled by pit bulls and, you know, and all this other stuff. You know, people are still, uh, you know, mad and, you know, pissed off at mm-hmm. him about that. Um, so just how much, yeah, do you think that just ruined uh, and just tarnished his legacy? <laughs> A lot. I mean, just, yeah. it's just, we, I mean, it's it's weird to say it, but just we as a people, we we like our pets more than we like other people. Honestly, <laughs> uh, we, we've had like look how much people like Mike Tyson again nowadays, and he like was convicted of rape and like some of the stuff he said in a boxing ring. But you know, he's he's like a little character now, and we have the. Nothing ever, he never actually went to jail for it, but I mean, stuff from Ben Roethlisberger's past, yeah. as far as, uh, his, his issues with women, but, uh, people still love him and he's seen as model quarterback and Antonio Brown should be listening to everything Ben Roethlisberger says when he got in trouble for Facebook streaming, yeah. uh, but you know, and, I'm saying this also as a dog owner and lover. Like I, I love my dog, but he he did his time. He paid his he paid his penalty to society, and he's he's done probably more for uh, animal rights since then than most of the people that hate him. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and you know I'll, I'll kind of hit on the latter half of what you were saying. You know, do do I think you know, what Michael Vick did was inexcusable. No, I mean, in reality, you should know better. Um, but, like you said, he turned himself around. He, uh, you know, did what he was supposed to do. You know, did the time for the crime. And, you know, for people who want to remember football, I don't think that's going to tarnish his legacy too much. Yeah. But for the people that want to worry about social issues, then... That'll be the death of them. It, it, it's how it is. It just depends what you want to focus on. If you want to focus on Mike Vick as a football player, you're not going to think too much about what he was doing off the field. But if you want to remember him for, you know, social issues, then you're probably looking at the wrong guy for remembrance. Well, but it, it, with those people that do want to just call him out for the social issues, like, like I, I brought up a couple of examples, but you can't just pick and choose which people you want to hate them based no, on. I agree. What I agree. they did off the field. If, if yeah. you are mad at one person for stuff they do off the field, but you discount at somebody else's because of how great they were, because they are a champion or won a Super Bowl or something like that, then I think mm-hmm. you need to look at your priorities. No, I would agree. I would agree with that because, like, for me personally, I'm looking at you know, people who have retired this past year and, you know, you know, talking about off the field, off the court matters. You know, you have Kobe Bryant. 
Uh, you know, he had that whole scandal, and you know, and I'm gonna sit here and say, I want to remember Kobe Bryant as a basketball player, so I'm gonna look at him for what he did on the court. Yeah. You know, I want to remember Michael Vick as a football player. I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna look at what he did on the field. You know, people make mistakes off the court, and I get that, and off the field, uh, everybody does. You know, they're human. But, uh, you know, if, if we're talking about Michael Vick, the quarterback, I'm not going to stand around all day and say, well, he was a dogfighter. Yeah. And so, it's, yeah, it's perfectly fine to compartmentalize those two deals. And, yeah. Which is basically what you need to do when you're looking at somebody's legacy on the field. Like, not saying you don't have to have an opinion on what they did as a person, but you can look at just their accomplishments on the field and let that stand on its own and mm-hmm. and judge the other things on their own in that way, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like a lot of dirtbags, man. Mike Vick, Kobe Bryant, <laughs> Mike Tyson. <laughs> just to think about it, yeah. Uh, <laughs> What's that say about you? <laughs> yeah, man, we're, uh, we're about to get into the uh, Hall of Fame next. Just to ask you guys, um, you know, with his retirement, uh, you know, we both say, you know, he was kind of just a pioneer into the game with, you know, just a style of play. Um, do you think any way he could get into the Hall of Fame? That's going to be a tough one there, just because mm-hmm. as, as exciting as he was. And I, I guess if you're, if you're looking at it just on how the impact he had, I guess you can, you might be able to get away with that argument. Uh, because he did do some amazing things as far as rushing yards for a quarterback and, uh, and just like I said, he, he, he made defenses have to basically change to, to deal with him. He, he had a big impact, but I mean, furthest he got is what's the AFC championship game or NFC championship game. Uh, and I, he he didn't have too many playoff appearances, so I I, I can't I, I won't argue anybody if they say no he's not a Hall of Famer. He he's one of those guys where you have to make an argument for it, and you know that old saying if if you have to argue about it, he, he probably isn't. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know I would agree with that because when we look at guys in the Hall of Fame, it seems like there are. It's it's almost smaller criteria for what it takes to get in. You're going to look at championship rings. Uh, he doesn't have any. And then you're going to look at categorical leaders. Um, I, you know, I don't have it exactly in front of me, but unless he's leading NFL all-time in rushing yards by a quarterback, he's not going to be leading any other category. So, I mean, just... For his, and we, we, we covered it. For as great of a player as he was, he just didn't have the accolades to go along with it. Um, not that that's his own fault. I mean, you can look at other rushing quarterbacks that have made it, you know, further because they had their teams around them. You know, you, yeah, he's number three, by the way, uh, looking at it. Number three there? Okay. Yeah. So, so you're probably going to say that's his strongest case for getting in outside of impact. And I mean, maybe one of these days he he gets in, but I I wouldn't be putting him on my ballot personally. 
And if I had, and also, I mean, not to go back into his off the field issues, but due to those, he cost himself two seasons. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, that's that's other statistics he could have had to build his resume there. Okay, and 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 I think this will be a good transition for Trey. Um, like, and sorry, Trey, I'm going to do the transition a little bit for you, but uh, no, you're you you have this strong take on To. Yeah. Where and, and and I think we all have to take on that one. Um, you know, Terrell Owens, uh, he's not in the Hall of Fame again. A lot of people think he should be, but you know, what you hear about him off the field, how he was in locker rooms, um, the way he was in the media, a lot of that was, you know, quoted by a lot of people being said to be a detriment to the team, and a lot of people think that's the reason why he's not in. So it, it's just kind of more. I don't know, more evidence that shows off the field matters, even though we like to say it on the field is what counts. Yeah. Well, I mean, if, if, if we're transitioning into TO, like, mm-hmm. yeah, this, this one definitely, in my opinion, is another instance of people not being able to separate mm-hmm. on and off the field. Uh, I mean, we all have pretty much come to learn that T.O. basically had some, some mental health issues going on, basically, that he just never fully dealt with, and it spilled in the locker rooms where he couldn't get along in certain situations. But uh, as far as Hall of Fame criteria is supposed to be based on what you produce on the field, and... Unless your name is Jerry Rice, nobody has better numbers than this guy. Yeah. And, and, and like to, to be able to say that and be factually correct and say he's not a first ballot Hall of Famer, like I, I think that's embarrassing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's ranked, I, I'm, I know for fact he's ranked in the top five in basically all receiving categories. Yeah. I, I believe he's number two in about three or four categories. I mean, the, the guy has done everything you could ask for on the field. Yeah. Um, you know, once again, you could talk about, you know, the whole rings thing, but statistically he's there. Yeah. Um, and if you don't have a ring, you better have the numbers. And he has the numbers. Yes. So why, why he's still not in uh, is a little baffling to me. Um, in fairness to the vote, to the people who get a vote for it, this is a stronger Hall of Fame class. Um, but I do think Terrell Owens would make this class even stronger. Um, I don't know. Just for, like I said, the rings, you can talk about that all you want, but you know, his numbers are there. And Trey, you, you say you always think this guy should get in the Hall of Fame. And that, actually, I agree with you. I know a lot of people that would agree with you. Yeah. Um, and we we actually caught a, a good part of his career. The, the guy was, you know, a mismatch on any quarterback. Yeah. Um, you know, he had great hands. It was just the idea that he was, a, you know, he had, you know, some, I guess, relational issues with a lot of people in organizations, and he got traded around. Um, and that's kind of putting a shadow over over his career. Um, and it's almost turn, making people turn an eye to the numbers. 
they like turn an eye away from the numbers, uh, which I think is is honestly a tragedy. Yeah, and like, I mean, just like how we were talking about memories of Mike Vick, this is a guy who came back from a devastating leg injury to play in the Super Bowl and balled out. He was the best player on the field in that game. It just so happens team lost, but yeah, and and that's one of the better Super Bowls I remember. Yeah. Yeah, Darnell, uh, let me ask you, man, because, um, you know, T.O., he had uh, he was putting in work with your Dallas Cowboys back in the day, man. When he was uh, playing with them, uh, you know, like he had his uh, issues and stuff, you know, I remember just some of, uh, you know, with Bill Parcells, you know, calling him the player and whatnot. Um mm-hmm. During that time, man, did you have, like, any uh, animosity towards T.O. when he was playing with your squad or anything? Or, you know, how did you feel about him, you know, especially during that time in his career? Not really towards him, just because, I mean, I'm a realist about my teams. And uh, organizationally, uh, up until recently, uh, Dallas has been a bit of a tire fire. And Jerry Jones kind of, as long as they're making headlines, he's... <laughs> doesn't care if they're winning or losing, and you know they were still the most talked about team you could have that year just because of the drama between Parcells and Owens. Uh, but that that was usually the thing with TLA. Mm-hmm. Outside of outside of maybe one or two quarterbacks, it was usually with coaches that he had his issues. I mean, you still mm-hmm. don't want people to have problems with the coaching staff, but yeah. I mean. Everybody remembers him crying in a press conference trying to stick up for Tony Romo. Yeah. That's that's my quarterback. Uh, but I mean, the the dude loved to play the game and he he wanted to win. Yeah. Uh, I, I think it was some of that that caused a lot of his issues because you know a lot of top notch receivers are that diva get me the ball when. Uh, it, Like if if you played a hundred snaps, he wanted the ball thrown to him a hundred times. Yeah, and I mean, he had that confidence that whoever you put on him, he was going to win that matchup. And and ninety nine times out of a hundred, he was probably right. Yeah, I, I don't recall any corners shutting him down. Yeah, so. Just interesting, man. Uh, you know, just looking at this class, you know, Terrell Davis, Kenny Easley, Jerry Jones, Jason Taylor, uh, LT, Kurt Warner, you know, this would have been an awesome, it's a good class right now, but to have T.O. top it off, man, that would have been a mm-hmm. great, you know, just a great ad, man. But, uh, mm-hmm. pretty sure, you know, you just got to hang in there, you know, a lot of people don't like them, you know, just with, uh, a lot of stuff that, you know, you kind of talk about, you know, with coaches and everything, you know, um, really think, you know, his kind of problem, you know, was just being cocky and real competitive, um, you know, which a lot of athletes are like that, you know, it's not like this guy was out there having Michael Vick situations, you know, fighting dogs or, you know, pulling an Aaron Hernandez, killing people or anything like that, you know, he could have been a lot worse than, you know, what it is, so. Just, you know, typical athlete, I just think, you know, just kind of let the uh, game, he loved football, kind of just let it get to his head at times. But, you know, other than that, just a phenomenal athlete, you know, definitely one of the greatest guys to play on the field. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, do you guys have anything else to add about this Hall of Fame class or anything? Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll just throw in there real quick. Uh, two, two guys that I'm happy to see get in, in this class are, uh, Kurt Warner and LT. Yeah. Uh, Kurt Warner mainly because, you know, I remember him, I even remember him back in his, uh, St. Louis Rams days. Yeah. We're just say St. Louis Rams again, but um, you know, greatest show on turf. You know, he led them to the Super Bowl. I remember the Super Bowl game against the Tennessee Titans. Uh, you know, the Titans came up that yard short, yeah. or uh, whatever it was, right at the end. That was, that's actually one of the first Super Bowls I remember. Yeah, uh, actually being intrigued with, um, you know, and then him kind of having that late resurgence in his career with Arizona and taking them to a Super Bowl. And, um, I remember pulling for him in that game just because it's like, man, you know, we don't know how much longer Kurt Warner has. Um, you know, plus him just being a great guy off the field. A lot of people speak very highly of him as a teammate, as a quarterback. Uh, so, you know, you're really happy to see him get in. Um, I guess you could say kind of for the character that we're talking about, you know, keeping a couple other guys out, um, you know, maybe his character helps get him in. Uh, you know, you could argue, you could argue that, but you know, and then Ladanian Tomlin, just just a freak. Um, Duke could run the ball with the best of them. Uh, had those insane years with the Chargers. Um, kind of tailed out there at the end with the Jets, but uh, just those years with the Chargers were almost unforgettable. Uh, the guy was insane coming out of TCU with a, you know, a small school at the time. You know, nobody was really hearing of them back in the early, late 90s and early 2000s. They weren't the headliner they are now. Uh, but, you know, LT, j- just awesome to watch, a highlight reel. Um, one of the, f- you know, first fantasy freaks, uh, fantasy football lovers. Um, you know, always one of the guys you would want to get in the first few picks, so really just a great player to watch. Um, really kind of put kept that Chargers team relevant. People wanted to watch LT and I, I think he's very deserving of it. Yeah, everybody that made it into the class is, is deserving. I don't mm-hmm. think there's anybody that didn't deserve to get their gold jacket. Uh, like I said, I just wish there's one more name in there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's always next year. Or the year after. We'll just see, man. See how long it'll take him to get in there. All right, guys. Let's get into the Super Bowl. Wow. uh, Does the Atlanta Falcons need somebody to take off a belt and whoop their ass for blowing up that league? I'll get right into it. (laughs) What do you think? Just... Uh, it, it was a heck of a game. Uh, I mean, it looked like it was going to be boring at first, and I was like, I'm watching the first half, and just like, this is the worst playoffs ever. <laughs> but then, but then the Falcons went all Falcons on us. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I, I've been saying it all playoffs, but then yeah. it's the second I, I buy in, they bit me in the ass on it. Uh, so, I mean, yeah, to give up a 25-point lead, uh, I mean, it was a great performance by the Patriots in the second half. They, they tightened up. They started making all the right plays, but I'm sorry, no NFL team should be give, giving up a 25-point lead. I, I don't care if you got 
Jesus throwing the ball on the other side. You, you need to be able to hold on. Yeah, especially during the Super Bowl, man. Like when you got yeah. a 25 point lead, instincts should just be kill, 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 you know? And mm-hmm. they did it, man. They let Brady do his thing on him, so. Yeah, you know, first of all, I need to say, Trey, and stick to your guns. You yeah. picked New England from the start and <laughs> changed it again. I, I even I even called you out for it. Yeah, uh, but I will say, uh, in reality, three three quarters go by, and I thought, well, it was fun to pick them while it lasted. But uh, I I thought it was over. I'll admit it. Patriots looked dead. They looked flat. Atlanta looked prepared, excited to be there. Mm-hmm. Uh, ran ran the ball extremely well in the first half. Ran it four times in the second half. Yeah, yeah. dumbest thing. Uh, 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 yeah. Yeah. Now, like, how do you yeah. stop running the ball? Yeah, I mean, you know what um, I mean, yeah, uh, Coleman. Yeah, I believe it was Coleman. Yeah, he was just like when they were giving him the ball. He like, got dude was just he got hurt at one yeah, point. He did. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but well, that's I mean, still no screaming overhead and chunk yeah, yards. Exactly. Like, I mean, you had Freeman who averaged almost seven yards carry. Yeah. Um, I don't see what the issue is there. Um, this, one of the most interesting stats I heard was from the Falcons' last possession in the first, in the first half to the time they took the field in the third with the ball. Matt Ryan had been off the field for an hour and eight minutes. Um, you could argue momentum was killed. You could even probably argue, the halftime shows are too long. <laughs> I mean, you could argue a lot of things here, yeah. but that's a long time to be off the field. Um, if if you want to blame, you know, Matt Ryan would be the last person to say that's that killed our momentum. He'd be the last person to say that. He was very classy after the game if you saw the interview with him. Um, but I, I look at that second half and say, one, that's Tom Brady having experience on a big stage. He never panicked. Uh, the whole team never really panicked. And I think a lot of that was Tom Brady being confident in the huddle, uh, keeping everybody kind of in check, getting on a couple people at one point probably. But, um, you know, I, I just think that Atlanta went away from what was working in the first half. They tried to make the big play, it seemed like, in the second half. Um, you know, I, I have no problem with the team blowing a huge lead like that. If it was over the span of three quarters, like they come out real quick, score 21 in the first, and then the other team chunks back in. But the Patriots scored 19 in the fourth quarter. Uh, They were practically flawless from when they scored the touchdown in the third to the end of the game. Uh, They were were flawless. Um, The defense, I don't know whether you want to say they stepped up or took advantage of Atlanta's conservative play calling, but... uh, I don't know. It was shocking. Um, but I will, I will even say, Darnell, that this, even though it was an exciting finish, it wasn't an exciting game for four quarters. So we really kind of had three quarters of very boring football. Cause I mean, at the end of, at the end of three, it's 34 to what, nine? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, and at that point, you're still thinking it's over. Um, it's it was very weird to watch New England chunk back into the game, watch Atlanta go three and out. Uh, but I, 
did you guys feel a little sense of the NCAA championship game of Marcus Page hitting the big shot and then Villanova hitting the buzzer beater on him with the whole Julio tiptoe side of the catch and then Julian Edelman with the dagger? Yeah. The dagger catch yeah. to really kind of solidify overtime. I, I mean, for starters, that Julio Jones catch is unbelievable. I don't think anybody would say best play of the game. Yeah, yeah I mean, I mean that that catch. I thought that catch was going to seal it for him because that put him into field goal range. Should have. Uh, uh, yeah, you're right. That, uh, yeah, you're right. Over, uh, um, Edelman's catch was more luck, and I think anybody yeah, would agree yeah, with you sure. there. Uh, that Julio Jones catch, he had full control. Yeah, yeah. Full Edelman was in the right place at the right time, and like, and and came up with it. And yeah, it was kind of more just fluky circus stuff. But yeah, that yeah, and Julio yeah, like, was just like he. That was like I'm the best receiver yeah. playing football right now. <laughs> yeah. and here's why. Yeah, because I I think that catch put him on like the twenty five or the thirty or something like that. But then they proceeded yeah. to go incomplete pass, incomplete pass. Or uh, what was it? Incomplete pass, then sack, hold, incomplete yeah, pass, right, yeah, or something right like there, that. Yeah. What do you guys think about yeah. that? Uh, what about yeah? You know, this was, a lot of people were saying, you know, why the hell didn't they run the ball? You know, during like I, a little bit there. Um, I, you guys I, think yeah, yeah they should have. I mean, I understand that they're. I understand they're, they're the best rowing team in the NFL. Yeah. Um, they. Granted, they should have been able to move the ball throwing. If it were a normal game, I don't think many people would have been questioning it. Uh, it's just the fact that it was the Super Bowl and they had a chance to basically put the game away, and they didn't. Yeah. Um, I yeah. mean, they their their kicker Matt Bryant from I believe I saw from thirty thirty five to forty five yards, he missed one field goal all year. So you're looking like you're in prime position at that point, and then they take the the sack holding, and <clears throat> that was it. <laughs> yeah, and I just feel like if you're in that kind of position where you can just run the ball to kill some clock, stay in the middle of the field, you have a, mm-hmm. like, like Tyler just said, you have a stellar kicker. Just do that, get yourself that extra three points, and that pretty much would have put the game out of reach for the Bengals. That would have made it an 11-point game. Yeah. Um, and, you know, kind of on top of that, okay, so if you run the ball against the New England D, which picked it up in the second half, I'm not going to say they would have gained a first down or anything, but even if you lose four yards on three runs, you're in better shape than you are taking an eight-yard sack with a holding penalty. Yeah. Because uh, right there you're looking at, what, 13 yards of penalty? Yeah. Or, well, 13 yards with the penalty and the sack. Yeah. So, I mean... I don't know. I, I just, I would like to know if it was Kyle Shanahan calling those shots or someone was saying score, like score touchdown and really put it away. Like, I want to know what the coaches were talking about. Guess those big moments make you think ridiculously at times. Yeah. They, they, yeah, I they mean, were playing like they were behind right there for some reason. Like yeah, I know I know you felt the pressure of New England coming back. It was like any like you have those running backs. Uh I mean even if Coleman was not able to go at that point, Freeman and he only had eleven carries the whole game. Mm-hmm. 
and 11 for 75, you take a shot. Just see it, see if you can get a hole where maybe he breaks something for some extra yard. Go, go back to a couple of them. I mean, first and second down, you go to a couple of those stretch plays that they did in the first quarter that were gashing. Oh, yeah. 20 yards. Yeah. 20 yard gains almost every time. Yeah. I mean, you could have wasted one or two of those and even given up to two or three yards if you got hit and then just run straight up the middle the other two times. Hopefully you can fall forward and get that back and still have yeah. a 40 yard field goal, which is totally makeable, but yeah. they just. Well, and, and, and here, and, and here's where it, it becomes terrible coaching. Uh, you know, you're, you're going to look at what, what's an important stat here? Time of possession. Atlanta only had the ball for 23 and a half minutes in this game. New England ran four, New England ran 47 more offensive plays. Wow. Yeah. That's, that, that's unbelievable. Like that, that is New England moving the ball, working the clock and chipping their way back into the game. Uh, that's Atlanta getting the ball in the second half and throwing it for three downs. Yeah. Incomplete pass stops the clock. You know, they, they just weren't picking up the big yards. Um, and it also showed in the first half they, how easy they were scoring. Um, which makes it real surprising that in the second half they were only able to score seven points. <laughs> you know, it, to, to me, the, the whole thing just got super fishy. And I don't know. I mean, it, you have to credit New England coming back. Hey, was it um, rigged? A lot of people saying rig, man. I got I got <laughs> I, I don't know. It's hard to say it. it. It's it's honestly hard to say something like that's rigged. But um, I don't know. I, I think experience plays a big factor, and if you've been there before, you don't panic. And I think Atlanta kind of panicked in the second half, especially in the fourth. Yeah, no, I'm not going the rig route. That was just a fourth quarter where Atlanta forgot how to coach and play football, basically. Mm-hmm. They they stopped doing smart things, and mm-hmm. it cost them. Yeah. All right, now, uh, Tyler kind of covered it last week uh, when he asked us, um, you know, if would a Brady win uh, – make you believe that he's the greatest of all time. Uh, just looking at this performance, man, you had an awesome comeback. Uh, did that change your guys' opinion at all whatsoever, or what? Well, for, for me, the opinion didn't change. But, uh, you know, I think he now, well, I don't think, he now has the most Super Bowl rings that I've ever read. Um, he threw for the most yards in a Super Bowl, 466. He has the most Super Bowl MVPs. I mean, I, I, I don't know what else there is to say, really. Um, you can talk about Spygate, Deflategate. That's fine. Uh, I mean, you can talk about whatever you want at this point. But on, and like we said, with the Hall of Fame, it should be based on what you're doing on the field. He had one of the best years of his career statistic, you know, statistics wise, and he missed the first four games. His efficiency was up. His uh, percentages were up. Um, you know, I, I mentioned it before. Um, he did this the majority without Gronkowski. Well, the closing stretch he did without Gronkowski is best pass catcher. Uh, one thing we actually didn't mention, and I never really heard mention, you know, 
New England struggled to run the ball from the backfield. Uh, James White did a lot of his damage catching the ball. I caught 14 passes for over 100 yards, but they, they struggled to run the ball. Gronkowski is one of their better run blockers, um, and they didn't have him, so maybe that contributed to some of it. But, um, yeah, just, you know, I, I think that Brady kind of defied the odds in a lot of ways this season, you could say. Uh, but I, I just think the numbers, the statistics are there for it to almost make it unarguable. Well, I'm going to argue it. <laughs> and that's fine. <laughs> in, in my mind, it's unarguable. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not gonna just say somebody's crazy if they call him the best QB ever. That's that's fine. Uh, based on the hardware, you're more than welcome to the argument. Uh, this game, I, I feel like James White should have been the MVP of this game. Oh, I would uh, agree. I would Fourteen agree. catches for one ten and a touchdown, and and both scores on the ground. Brady did throw for four sixty six, but it took sixty two passing attempts to do it. Uh, <laughs> Seven and a half yards an attempt, uh, like that—that's not the greatest numbers I've ever seen. Uh, like uh, a lot of other quarterbacks, if they throw it sixty-two times, they might have five or six hundred yards. Uh, I'm not sure if I've ever seen a quarterback throw it sixty-two times in a game, or or their arm may fall yeah. off. <laughs> uh, but I mean. Like just the the sheer gross numbers, of course, four sixty six and two TDs. That's those are you, you'll take it. Uh, but like I said, just based on that game, Brady did engineer. Uh, he he stayed calm. He did what was asked of him. He completed a lot of passes. He threw for a lot of yards. But like I said, just based on those numbers, like how how much they let him chuck the ball around. Uh, I don't think his numbers are are gaudy enough for those that amount of attempts to have earned that uh, Super Bowl MVP that he got, which I mean leads to a overarching argument that I've made just over the course of us doing this show. We give quarterbacks just too much damn credit, mm-hmm. in, in my opinion. Uh, but uh, he he has the most Super Bowls of any quarterback, but. Uh, he's not undefeated in the Super Bowl like somebody else is, uh, named Joe Montana. So mm-hmm. I, I think that still counts for something. Uh, if he gets there, he wins it or win mm-hmm. in the times he got there. So, uh, I think I'm still on the Montana bandwagon still for being the best mm-hmm. ever. Uh, but like, I'm not going to get in a mm-hmm. fight with somebody if they say they take break. Yeah. You know, I, I actually, love the parallel we have between the NBA and the NFL right now. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of, you know, we, we have the Jordan-James argument going on, and now we have the Montana-Brady one going on. Granted, Montana-Brady, uh, you know, the, I, I hold these two arguments in the same hand. Because yeah. one, side's ar- one side's arguing, uh, you know, well, uh, you know, best ever, the other side, uh He's the best ever. And then you get the whole arguments of, well, who played in a better league? Um, mm-hmm. But the same argument we see is one guy went undefeated when it counted. Yeah. Um, you know, the other guy we're seeing, well, look how many trips he made it there. Mm-hmm. Like LeBron's been, what, six in a row, is it? Seven in a six, row? Six, six in a row? Yeah. yeah. Like, that's incredible in itself. 
And then you're looking at Tom Brady saying, well, he's made it to seven Super Bowls. Who else is making it to seven Super Bowls? It, it's, it's just crazy how parallel the argument is. Um, the one thing I think, if, if you were to take away athletes and just look at what they're doing and who they're doing it with, you know, it, it, in my mind, it, and I guess this is just my counter to the Montana thing, is Montana was throwing the ball to Jerry Rice. Um, Tom Brady's throwing it to Julian Edel. Mm-hmm. Danny Amendola, Chris Hogan. Um, it's different when you're throwing it to those guys as opposed to Jerry Rice. Now, granted, you can say he's throwing it to Gronk. I'll give you that one. Um, Gronk, I think a lot of people would say maybe outside of Tony Gonzalez is the best tight end ever. Uh, I think uh, most people would take him over Gonzalez even today. Yeah, yeah I mean, I, I, I'm just saying, I guess, for the argument's sake. Um, but, you know, in, in my mind, I think Brady is doing more with less. I can um, take that argument, yeah. Now, now, the only thing I think Brady has more of than Montana is the depth. Um, you know, I think, you know, if you, if you put Gronkowski as the number one pass catcher, Edelman is the number two pass catcher, um, in terms of option, um, then you would probably move Hogan three and Mandola four. I think you would take the three four over whoever the three four were for the Niners. Um, but, you know, just, you know, if, if you want to talk about who they're doing it with, I, I would potentially argue that Brady's doing it with less talent just based off of Jerry Rice alone. Um, but I guess that's the fun of it all, right? The, the fact that there is no clear cut and you get to argue it, you get to debate it. Yeah. Now let's get into their coach, uh, Bill Belichick. Uh, they just sealed him to be the greatest NFL coach of all time with this W. Yes. That one, uh, I don't have an argument. Yes. <laughs> Even with the scandals? Well, I mean, he, I, I, you can definitely call him a cheater, yeah. for sure. <laughs> and, uh, and, like, worst personality of a coach ever, he does what he needs to do to win. But, but uh, I mean, um, unless he still has some way that he's cheating to get these game plans together where it just, they seem to morph to whatever team they need to be to win the game in front of them. It's pretty amazing to see. Uh, like I said, for this game, it was just, all right, we need to just put it on Brady and we, we chuck the ball as many times as we need to, which means 60 plus times and what do you know? It worked out, even though they had to come back from uh, 20, 25 down. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. he, he just seems to be an amazing mind for the game. Uh, how he always had the team set up to take away opponent's first or second option to make them uh, more one-dimensional, and the team turns into what it needs to be to win that game. There's not too many teams that you can see do that. They have to come with their formula and figure out a way to make it work. Yeah, yeah, I I agree with that. You know, he's all about the process. Um, he's all business. Um, you know, you can joke around, and I guess they'll do whatever it takes. Um, 
in reference to like Spygate and things like that. But you know, when when you just look at his coaching career, especially his time with the Patriots, um, his first season as the New England head coach went five and eleven. After that, his worst record was nine and seven. Mm-hmm. Um, that's pretty incredible. Um, you know, five Super Bowls, um, numerous AFC championship games, numerous championship games. Uh, just, you, you just can't argue his ability to just find the way to win. Um, he's great at making adjustments mid game. Uh, he's really good at coming up with game plans for each team, each player. I mean, if you want to look at this past Super Bowl game, they held Julio Jones with four catches, I believe. Um, you know, so yeah, four catches. They, they just know how to eliminate what the other team likes to do. And, uh, you know, I, I think that just speaks a lot for him as a coach. Um, and, and then, you know, j- just the mentality he has, you know, he's, he's a very dry guy. The media is not going to get a ton out of him. But, you know, the other day, you know, he was asked, you know, what, you know, what's going to be, you know, next moving forward for the New England Patriots. And he said, well, we got to catch up because everybody else has already had a, Weak head start on us, so it's just the kind of guy he is. Um, loves to coach, loves football, loves to win, um, and yeah, I think that calling him the best coach ever here at Dallas. Did anybody else find it weird that he was chanting "No days off" to a bunch of people that took a day off to come watch them celebrate a Super Bowl? <laughs> yeah, he's just a weird guy. <laughs> Honestly, though, head. He- Head coaches, head coaches in general are just a weird breed. Yeah. They all, they're, they're all different, man. But yeah, that was not his, uh, most defining moment. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys, we're getting ready to close it. Uh, we got to talk about those chokers, uh, the Atlanta Falcons, uh, made a quick pickup. Uh, we're getting Steve Sarkeesian as their offensive coordinator. Uh, Steve, he had a very, very, very short stay. At the University of Alabama, uh, just how do you think uh, he will impact uh, his his uh, movement uh, to going to Atlanta? Will impact uh, both the Falcons and the University of Alabama? I I guess it'll negatively affect both. <laughs> uh, I'm not sure he has shown enough to get an NFL OC job, especially since, uh, you could say he, he struggled a little bit, uh, during the national championship game. Uh, I think he was calling plays how Nick wanted him to call him as far as he was running the ball when it called for it. But, you know, he, he didn't put together some amazing offensive game plan, uh, to, Warren just getting a, a raise that fast. Uh, Do you think part of it, you know, uh, that was just a huge uh, loss for Atlanta in the Super Bowl? You think they're kind of just, was just shook and, you know, just hurry up and just made a quick decision or, you know, what? Or how do you, what do you think? It, it seems that way. I mean, I, I know that they're losing their offensive coordinator uh, and Kyle Shanahan going to uh, coach the, 49ers in there, right? That he's yep. going to. Uh, so I, I know that was a decision they have to make, but I don't. I don't think it needs to be called for 
two, three days after the Super Bowl, especially after you had a pretty demoralizing loss. I think this should have been one where you take a couple weeks and settle down and, and look at what's out there. Uh, I mean, hopefully it works out for them, but yeah, it's just seemed like a weird choice. Uh, and then on Alabama's side, it sucks for them because, I mean, they, they thought they would have at least a modicum of continuity and going from, uh, going to Sarkeesian from Lane Kiffin, seeing as they, they've coached together and they, they know they have similar coaching play calling styles, I, I guess I should say. Uh, but now Bam is back to the drawing board. Uh, RA seeing people calling for Nick to place a call to Chip Kelly, which sounds interesting to me. Yeah. Uh, I wonder how those two personalities will work together since they, they're both odd birds, but yeah, hey, hey, I think, I think that would be fun. Get, uh, seeing Jalen Hurts running an Oregon style offense in Alabama. That, that might be kind of fun to watch. And then a, that kind of an offense with a Nick Saban defense, that, that, that could be trouble for, for college. Yeah. 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 You know, seeing seeing Sark get that quick hire, it almost makes you wonder where other teams trying to get him. Yeah. Um, did did the Falcons know other teams were talking to him or getting ready to talk to him? And they're like, you know, we'll basically set you up with one of the top offensive options in the NFL. I mean, you, you, you're looking at the Falcons team that led the NFL in a lot of offensive categories this year. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think you could argue outside of in my opinion, the um, Green Bay Packers, you're probably looking at the second best offense in the NFL. Um, and the only reason I say the Packers is because I, I just think that they have more weapons. I, I'll take Jordy Nelson, Randall Cobb, and Devontae Adams over any other receiving core in the NFL, personally. Um, but, you know, do I think it's going to negatively affect anybody? No. Um, what offensive coordinator wouldn't want a chance at Alabama? Um, I mean, let, let's be real. They probably have people lined up at the door to take that job now. Um, and Nick Saban's just calling them in one at a time to see who he wants. So he's going to get his pick here. Um, and then in terms of the Falcons, uh, Sarkeesian, you know, kind of had that fallout at USC. Um, but, the quarterback they have now, uh, I forgot his name is, but he he was a Steve Sarkeesian recruit, and the kid's tearing it up. You know, won him, won him the Rose Bowl. Um, so he he knows talent to see it. I think he knows how to coach it. Um, I think, yeah, he was hired early, but it's going to give him the optimal time to learn Matt Ryan, learn this offense, learn what they're comfortable doing, not comfortable doing and really formulate a good game plan for them to head into, you know, OTAs and mini camps with and uh, have the best chance to thrive next season. Uh, but like I said, with having Julio Jones, with having Matt Ryan, having Vontae Freeman, Tevin Coleman, I don't think you can walk into a better, much of a better situation. So I, I think he'll be okay. He'll just have to learn what they like to do, and I think they'll be fine. Oh, yeah, I mean... Like I, I think he he is walking into the most offensive talent in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
like that just they have especially at the skill player positions they just have weapons all around so I mean it's, it's an OC dream to walk into that it's just yeah. is is he ready for it yet um, yeah, yeah. that's that's the question and Will Sam four? and Sam Darnold is who, you, who you're thinking of yes yes no you're right and he, he and he was a strategic recruit not a lot of people think of that so he yeah. knows quarterbacks he knows this team. Uh, I just wonder if he's going to call four run plays in the second half when they're up 20 against somebody next year. <laughs> <laughs> if he does that, he's making it quick. Yeah. Uh, just, just a final question for you guys. Um, I kind of brought it up last week when I was uh, talking about the Atlanta Falcons, um, how I felt if, if this was their chance to win, it would have to have been, uh, you know, this uh, week when they were in the Super Bowl just because – I thought it was going to be their last shot at getting in there. Just kind of looking at the team, like they um, they had some instances just with their previous history where they will be hot and you know have a nice little regular season, get eliminated the first round in the playoffs and so forth. And um, you know the year before they didn't even uh, make the playoffs. Uh, just how do you guys feel? Do you guys kind of like feel the same way? Do you think that was just like their final shot at, you know, getting a Super Bowl win? Or, you know, how do you guys feel about the Atlanta Falcons future? Right now, uh, I mean, just based off what they have, as long as they can keep majority of it together, I do think they, they still have a bit of a window, uh, just because that, that defense is probably going to be better next year. Yeah. Uh, cause they have a lot of youth. Yeah. Uh, I don't, I mean, as as long as they they trend a little bit upward, they'll be better. Because I mean, by the end of the year, they were a very good defense. Yeah. Uh, and like I said, it's a lot of young players with that still have some maturity left to to grow into. So they uh, they have a they have a, a window. Uh, I think it's just they might have a mental block to get over next year uh, yeah. because of how this ended. But they, they, they have enough talent to get back. Yeah, absolutely. I think their offense is going to be good enough to at least carry them to the playoffs. That defense, uh, really with any team, the defense is a question mark, much like the Seattle Seahawks. But, um, you, you know, the offense is good enough. Like you said, Darnell, the defense just has to slightly trend upward. I mean, like you said, they're full youth and they just, Gained a world of experience, um, and really, there's no better experience to gain than a crushing defeat, because you never want to experience it again. Yeah. Um, so I, I think, as much as I don't want to say that you know losing is ever a good thing, if this team's going to be back here again, maybe it was a good thing they lost the first time, because then they come back the second time, fix it, and actually win the game, but like you said, they're not, I think they have about a three or four year window here. Um, you, you imagine they're going to keep Matt Ryan. They're going to keep Julio Jones. Uh, they'll most likely keep the majority of the defense, you know, maybe some interchangeable parts in and out, but the, the only area where I don't think they're going to be as safe will be in the running back department. Um, Freeman or Coleman, I think can both be start. Well, Freeman's technically the starter, but they're both starting running backs in the NFL. They both have the talent for it. Um, and I think, 
I honestly think one of them will go eventually. Um, oh yeah, but that will most likely be Freeman because Cole yeah, may still have the rookie contract. contract. Yeah, so so they, I think they could lose Freeman. Um, like I said, I, I think somebody would be willing to pay either of those guys. All right, guys. Um, is there anything else that you guys would like to add? You know, whether UFC, NFL, or anything else. Enough. All right. Stick to your guns, man. With the picks. All right, man. I got you <laughs> for sure. All right, guys. Listen, I appreciate you all for checking us out. Um, as always, you can check us out on Twitter at DKM underscore Cast. Um, you can also check out this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, YouTube, SoundCloud. Just hit up, hit us up. Don't kill the messengers podcast up in the search engine. Uh, we should be popping up. So again, y'all take it easy and, uh, you know, hopefully y'all ain't going too crazy over that Atlanta Falcons loss, but take it easy. Peace out.